Did God the Father forsake Jesus at the crucifixion? Did he really turn his face away from his son at the time of his son's greatest trial? If this is possible, what is to prevent the Father from turning his face away from us in our time of need? Today's Differing Things looks at this question in depth. Now for today's host, Dr. Bill Petrie. Hello, I want to welcome you to this day's edition of Differing Things. I am your host, Bill Petrie, and I really believe I have a great topic for you to study with us today. The topic is, Can the Father Forsake the Son? If you do enjoy our podcast, please consider giving us a follow and leaving your comments. The comments would help us greatly, and I love to hear from you and in all honesty, helps me set up different podcasts down the road. So can the Father forsake the Son? On the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This famous line quotes Psalm 22.1, a prophetic psalm which proceeds to envisage the sufferings of the cross with amazing clarity. This line has led to theologies being created around the idea of penal substitution, which I am not going to go into specifically, that the Father and the Son were somehow separated, torn apart, removed from one another at the cross. The father turned his face away, and so on. On the face of it, it seems right to talk in that way, using Jesus' cry as a starting point. And as I said, it has become quite a central idea to the whole doctrine of atonement in many people's minds. There are issues to be addressed, like how God reacts to bearing the sin of the world and what that looks like from his perspective. Some would, on this issue, suggest the presence of sin on Jesus implicitly necessitated God's face being turned away. But even then, on occasion, in the Old Testament, God did not turn his face away. Instead, he stared right at the sin, seeing how detestable it was and ready to judge it. Jeremiah 16 verse 17 states, For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They have not been hidden from my face nor has their iniquity been concealed from before my eyes. And so, as I have indicated, I question the specific idea of whether the Father really turned his face away or forsook for various reasons. First, Jesus never addressed his Father as God in all his years 
of ministry or even before that. Luke chapter 2, verse 49 states, And he said to them, Why is it that you sought me? Had you not perceived that I must be among the things which are my father's? Throughout Jesus' ministry, it was always my father, my father, father this, father that. He did not speak of God when speaking to others, teaching them how to serve him and love him. But even that was rarer than speaking about the Father. So in this crucial moment, if I were to believe that the Father had forsaken the Son in the way that is typically taught, I would have thought the cry would be, My Father, my Father. With its echo to Psalm 22, this would have had even more poignancy. But he does not. He simply cries what was already there in Psalm chapter 22. A direct quote. Meant to hearken the minds of any hearers back to Psalm chapter 22. To this psalm, I will return in a moment. Also, each of the accounts, Matthew and Mark, record the words in a Greek transliteration of the Aramaic. Jesus wanted it to be heard specifically differently from the way he usually spoke about the Father. Therefore, I think, withdrawing from the notion that it would be possible to entertain the idea of the Father turning his face away. Second, having said this on the cross, there are two other occasions on the cross when he addresses Father, highlighting still further the distinction from his quote of Psalm 22. Luke 23:34 states, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. According to the Old Testament, God would not hear the one he has hidden his face from by forsaking them. Does not Isaiah 59:2 state, but rather your depravities become a separation between you and your God, and your sins conceal his face from you, from hearing you. How could he then forgive? Or had he not turned away at this point? When did he turn away? The other is Jesus' final words. So if the father had turned away, he would have had to turn back for these words to heed them. And I do not think anyone has ever doubted that he has heard this final cry given to us in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
Interestingly enough, this is a quotation of another psalm, Psalm 31.5, to be specific. Third, various other New Testament scriptures make it look like Father went with Jesus all the way to and through the cross. We might come to the point of Jesus making his way to the cross and say, right, he is having all the sin of the world put on him. So surely the father is going to look away now. But to his disciples, Jesus said in so many words, when you all run away from me and leave me alone, I will not be alone because my father is with me. And you can see that in John chapter 16 and verse 32. Fourth, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 states how that God was in Christ conciliating a world to himself, not reckoning their offenses to them and placing in us the word of the conciliation. So we see that God was in Christ, conciliating a world to himself. It was a wholesale involvement with Christ in the middle. The Father did not forsake the Son in this, but rather, he was in the Son. Integral, part of, inside. He was in the Son. It's interesting. How many of us look at the words my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me as a separation of the Father from the Son? And never, ever consider the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.19. How can there be a separation when, Christ, when God is in Christ on the cross? Fifth, Isaiah chapter 50 and verses 4 through 9 record the following words. My Lord Yahweh gives me the tongue of the taught to know and season, to counsel with a word. And he is rousing morning by morning, and he is rousing my ear to hear as the taught. My Lord, Yahweh God, opens my ear, and I do not rebel. Thereafter, I am not turned away. My body I give to smiters, and my cheeks to burnishers. My face 
I do not conceal from confoundings and spitting. And my Lord Yahweh is helping me. Therefore, I am not confounded. Therefore, I set my face as a flint and know that I shall not be ashamed. Near is my justifier. Who will contend with me? We will stand together. Who possesses my judgment? He shall come close to me. Behold, my Lord Yahweh will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? Behold, all of them is a garment will decay. The moth shall devour them. Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9 is part of one of the so-called servant songs of Isaiah and speaks in verse 6 in terms very much prophetic of the cross. Prior to the even more prophetic song in Psalm chapter in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 13 going all the way through chapter 53 and verse 12. Yet all through it is the constant refrain that and my Lord Yahweh is helping me in verse 7. In verse 8, we read, near is my justifier. And then we read, we will stand together. Now, I want you to understand this. This is at the time when the faithful servant has given his body to the smiters and his cheeks to the burnishers. This is the time when he is being publicly humiliated. Yet, the Lord Yahweh is helping him. He is not confounded because of the help that he is receiving from the Lord Yahweh. He can set his face as a flint and not be ashamed because near is his justifier. Who can contend with the faithful servant? Because he is standing together with the one who possesses his judgment. Who is that? The Lord Yahweh. Why is he not ashamed? Because, let me read the last part of this passage. Who possesses my judgment? He shall come close to me. Behold, my Lord Yahweh will help me. Who is he? Who will condemn me? Behold, all of them as a garment will decay. The moth shall devour them. In other words, no one will condemn him because the Lord Yahweh himself will not condemn him. Yes, the Father was near the Son. Yes, the Father stood together with the Son. 
And yes, the father comes close to the son in his deepest, darkest hour of need. Near is my justifier. And we will stand together. Sixth, interpreting Jesus's cry on the cross of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me to mean that the father and the son were separated at the cross and that the father did indeed turn his face away, both of which would be interpretation, not directly drawn from the text, by the way, we need to look again at that psalm to which Jesus wanted to draw the attention of his hearers. In verse 24, he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Now pay attention to Psalm 22, 24. Nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. David might have felt forsaken, but he ultimately knew that God's face was not really hidden from him. How could our construal be any different in applying it to Jesus Christ? The weight of sin caused him to experience God-forsakenness, yet ultimately that psalm reminded him and his hearers that the Father's face was not turned away. And thus, he could pray, Father, forgive. Father, into your hands. Because when he cried to him for help, he heard. I hold that there is nowhere in the Bible that says that the Father's face was ever turned away from the Son, nor are any of the attendant separation ideas necessarily involved. Of course, God wants us to take sin and its effects seriously. And I do not think the case for doing so is one bit maligned by questioning this aspect. To me, Jesus' highly stylized, if I can use that word, quotation of Psalm 22.1 forces one to think of his quote in a certain light. And it is especially meant to draw our attention to what is going on. Not in that the father's face had at that point turned away, for presumably Jesus would have known why that would be, whether he liked it or not. But to draw attention to the events as described in the psalm, and to encourage himself and his hearers that ultimately, he has not hidden his face from him. And even more beautifully, that the declaration can confidently be made 
that it is finished. Which, by the way, is the last verse from Psalm 22. I conclude that Psalm 22 is a psalm about the events on the cross and concludes with the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ. I want to conclude this differing things by quoting John 16, 32. Behold, the hour is coming and he has come when you will be dispersed, each to his own, and you will leave me alone. But I am not alone, for the Father is with me. What can we take from all of this? We can take the surety that the Father never ever would abandon the Son. Never ever would the Father forsake the Son. Through a simple belief of the gospel or the good news or the evangel, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Through believing that and trusting that, I am made a son of God. And the Father will never desert his son. Even when the sin of the entire world is being born by the Son on that cruel cross at Golgotha. The Father was near the Son. The Father was there to help the Son. He heard and he strengthened. I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, that you will never go through a trial like the one that the Lord Jesus Christ experienced on Golgotha's tree. And just as the Father was there to help the Son through that horrific ordeal, He is there to help you in whatever it is that you are dealing with. You have been sealed with his spirit. You cannot ever break the relationship he has with you. He has given his spirit is the guarantee that you are a son of God. What love Jesus Christ demonstrated as he hung there. And what care and nurturing was demonstrated by the Father 
assisting the son through his trial. If you'd like to know further information, please do not hesitate to check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Please leave comments, give us a follow, and let us know what you think about this particular topic. And I trust that this topic can be a source of great comfort to you when you are facing trials in your life. Good day and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.